Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Pop Maestros of the Podcast Generation. How are we doing this week? To be honest, I'm okay. I came down with a cold, which is not ideal, so I'm sorry for my nasal, <laughs> my nasally raspiness. I think it will make me sound seductive. It will seduce um, the listener, much like Ooh. Celine Dion seduces on this album. Or maybe it'll just sound like I need to take a NyQuil. Uh, either <laughs> or. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's how things are going. Uh, it is now October, mm. and I love October. It is, yeah. it is, without question, my favorite Chicago month. Mm-hmm. You get the best parts of fall, the best parts of summer, and it's fall. It's fucking yeah. fall. It's fucking I love fall. fall. We're falling into you with yes. fall. Yes. And how was your week, Blake? It was good. It was good. Very busy. Very busy. But you know, we're we're getting through it. We're getting through it. Uh, I'm seeing James Blake at the Chicago Theater tonight, which I'm very excited for. This I need to re-explore James Blake because I think a lot of people. No, is he the your beautiful guy or, or no. is he the guy? Is he the guy that's let it go? He's let it go. Oh, I thought that was James Bay. Yeah, James, there's James Bay and there's James Blake. Which I have not really gotten much into his music. Like I've always known. So wait, are you seeing James Bay or James Blake? James Blake. So he's the "You're Beautiful" guy. No, that's James Bay. No, it's the other way around. No, James Blake is not "You're Beautiful." That's yes, it is. No, it is not. He did not sing "You're Beautiful." Yes, he did. No, he did not. James Bay sang "Let It Go," and James Blake sang "You're Beautiful." He he did not. Look it up. Who sang "You're Beautiful"? Oh, James Blunt sang "You're Beautiful." (laughs) It was not. Oh my gosh. Yes, James Blunt. So it was neither of them. So who's James Bay? It's a good question. We're gonna find out who James Bay is. He released. He did sing "Let It Go." Okay, yes. Too many white guys. Too many white guys, and then James Bay and James Blake are both from the UK. But James Blake has an album coming out next week called "Friends That Break Your Heart," and all three singles that he's released from him, I have absolutely loved. And so I've been diving into his music for like the past couple months or so, and so I'm very excited for this album to drop. And there's a lot of a lot of. He has a lot of great hits. I feel like you would really like him. I feel like there's a lot of, like, sort of, like, R&B. Okay, I definitely thought that this man... Because he was on, like, Lemonade and stuff. I definitely thought this man was James Blunt the entire time. Yeah. So, I have been challenged, and I have been changed. But yes, he was... Yes, he sang Forward with Beyonce on her Lemonade album. Uh, he, He worked on the Black Panther soundtrack. Uh, I know he's doing some work with uh, Phineas, Billie Eilish's older brother, on his debut album that I think is also coming out this month. I thought he already had, like, songs out. So do you like Phineas? I know you're a big fan of Billie Eilish. I do like Phineas. I don't listen to him as much as I listen to Billie, but he does have some songs that I do really like. He's come up on my Spotify Genius a couple of times, and Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a song that I've, like, liked enough to save, but I've enjoyed his vibe Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what songs I particularly like by him. I really like Life Moves On, uh, New Girl, uh, Let's Fall in Love for the Night. There, he did like a 1964 like remix version of it where it was like really stripped back and it has like this really beautiful kind of like piano like lullaby quality to it that I really like. Much like a lot of the songs on Falling yes. Into You. 
Indeed, but yes, I, I'm a Phineas fan. Obviously, Billy is one of my favorite artists, and I'm sure she will get her moment on the show. But yeah, I don't know. I love both we're, of them. We're not ready for Billie Eilish yet. Ooh. We gotta get our hit our stride. Yes, so Billy is coming if you're if you're listening, Billy. But I love both of them. I love their sibling dynamic. They both clearly it's cute. It's, re- it's really beautiful. Yeah, like how much like they love they love each other and like they make everything together and like at least for Billy's music like it is just the two of them like in their bedroom both for when we all fall asleep and happier than ever. Like, they are, like, you can't have one without the other. Like, it's essentially, they're kind of almost like a group, in a sense. Like, a group kind of duo. Like, Billie Eilish is kind of the front man. But Phineas, like, they perform, every time Billie performs live, uh, Phineas always provides instrumentals. Like, they're kind of a package deal. Good for him. And he probably doesn't have to deal with as much press as she does, which I don't know if that's what he wants or not. Maybe he's jealous. I don't know. He probably is. Um... In any case, um, completely changing the subject. <laughs> completely changing the subject, um, yeah. So, Celine Dion, Falling mm-hmm. Into You, released mm-hmm. March 11th, 1996, which was um, a casual uh, eight months before I was born. Uh, our first Canadian yeah. on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, I, in researching this, I was surprised to learn Celine Dion is, in fact, the highest grossing Canadian artist mm-hmm. of all time, mm-hmm. which... I think Bieber, The Weeknd, and Drake might be coming for her crown yeah. in a couple of years, but mm. in terms of the legacy, like they're coming up against some blockbuster oh, albums, yes. and they've had time to appreciate. So, mm-hmm. you know, Aubrey, buckle in. Yep. <laughs> you, I don't know if you're taking Miss Dion's crown anytime soon, but yeah. Have you been to Canada, Blake? I have never been to Canada. I have actually been a couple of times. Um, and it's funny, I grew up in Seattle, and I've never been to British Columbia, which is, like, mm-hmm. less than two hours away from my house, so not sure why I haven't taken care of that yet, but when I was in kindergarten, we took, uh, my dad had a business trip in Boston, and we ended up taking a road trip, we all went and took a road trip up to Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, I saw Anne of Green Gables' house. Ooh. And and such. And then another time, uh, I went to school in Chicago, and my dad and I were driving back to Seattle for the summer, and we decided to mix it up a little and drive through Canada. So I've driven through several provinces in Canada's midsection. Drove up through Ontario, went to Alberta, Saskatchewan, all that. Went to Banff National mm-hmm. Park. That was gorgeous. The mountains, the scenery, mm-hmm. lots of big sky areas, really pretty water. Actually, when I went to Sweden, and I think mm-hmm. Sweden and Canada are around the same latitude, mm-hmm. they looked very similar to me in a Ooh. scenic way. We saw lots of bears, elk, deer. It was awesome. Prince Albert National Park was another really cool one. Ooh. Yeah, I'd recommend it. Canada. Uh, I did not go to Celine Dion's home province of Quebec, mm-hmm. so that's that's always been on my list. I've always loved the idea of Quebec, though, because my name starts with Q, mm-hmm. and so does Quebec, and there's no <laughs> U.S. state that starts with Q, so Quebec and Queensland in Australia, I've always like kind of seen them. I'm like, I see you, girl. Mm-hmm. We're, we're holding it down for the Q gang. That was one of the most nightmarish experiences like in 
anytime like icebreakers when you're a little kid they're always like say your name and a quality you have that starts with the same letter and I'm not quiet so <laughs> from there I would, it would you'd really have to reach and find something like I'm not quick it, it, it was rough times I'm jealous of people whose names start with you know B or a more <laughs> easygoing letter yeah but yeah in any case Celine Dion. What? How do you feel about Celine Dion? I I am a big fan of hers. Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, from all of the three artists that we've covered on the podcast so far, so Kelly Clarkson, Ariana Grande, and Celine Dion, I definitely have the least amount of familiarity with Celine. Uh, I've never listened to a full album of hers before. I know like her like biggest biggest hits. Obviously, I know my heart will go on. I know her cover of All By Myself, uh, I know uh, Taking Chances, like all of like the big, her big, big, uh, of course, all coming back to me now, like all of the big, big, big hits I knew from her, but this was my first time actually sitting down and listening to a Celine album, so she's someone that I've always known, and from the songs I've listened to, I've always liked, but this is a this was a little bit more outside of kind of my niche and my comfort zone. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I'm, I'm very curious to hear some of your takes on this styling because I know that it's something you're not super familiar with in your repertoire. Mm -hmm. I mean, my introduction to Celine Dion is probably similar to most people around my age. I watched Titanic mm -hmm. and I was all for that big bold credit song that yeah. uh, is changing the game. That is not on this album Falling Into You, but there is another big bold credit song on oh, yeah. Falling Into You, so, mm -hmm. which I guess is Celine Dion's thing. I mean, yeah. she's done several Mm -hmm. Credit song. She also did the credit song for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So, she's queen of, queen she of soundtracks. She's the queen of those ending credits. You, mm -hmm. you got to have Celine while you're, you know, feeling guilty about all the popcorn you spilled and <laughs> that you're gonna make the workers clean up. Uh, yeah, and I definitely had a Celine Dion phase in my youth during sort of my pop self education. Uh, being familiar with My Heart Will Go On and. Uh, Falling Into You was actually not an album that I was particularly familiar with of hers. I, I knew Let's Talk About Love, which is the follow-up to Falling Into You. My grandma had a copy of that, and I, when I would visit her in California, sometimes I would play that one, and there were some tracks on there that really kind of captured my heart. <laughs> I really loved. And then A New Day Has Come, that's an album that came later. That's one I had on my iPod. Somebody had, like, the CD of it, and I ripped it and put it on my iPod, but Falling Into You in terms of like the big hits, um, All By Myself, which we're going to talk about with that really famous high note, I remember listening to that as a little kid and just being blown away that someone could hit and sustain such a powerful high note, and that really seemed like the zenith of power ballad singing <laughs> to me at the time, so I was always very impressed. And then in terms of why did we select Falling Into You to be the album that we introduced Celine Dion with, I gravitated towards it because I wanted to do something from the 90s that really was emblematic of this sort of power ballad, high stakes vocal singing, big emotions era. The vocal trinity of the 90s commonly referred to includes Mariah, Whitney, and Celine. So mm -hmm. I wanted to select one of them. I obviously have 
strong feelings about all three of them. I love all three of them. So mm-hmm. Celine seemed like a good place to start there. And uh, mm-hmm. Falling Into You was a critical and commercial behemoth. I mean, it mm-hmm. won Album of the Year at the Grammys. And it was number one album. It produced some hit singles, some signature songs that everyone seems to know. I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of said yourself, like, you weren't familiar with this album, and then you listened to it, and were like, mm, I know a lot more of it than I, I think I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that was interesting that I was reflecting on, that it's a bit of a, a tangent, but I think something worth noting it is interesting to me, Celine, Mariah, Whitney, they get used in the same sentence a lot. They're compared to each other. And I think they're all very different artists, have very different skill sets, and I have a lot of love and respect for all three of them. But I do think it's interesting. Celine is the only one of the three of them that ever won Album of the Year at the Grammys. And that was, uh, Falling Into You was up against Daydream that mm. year, which is uh, Mariah Carey's album, which was super, super successful also. That was the album Fantasy, Always mm-hmm. Be My Baby, yeah. One Sweet Day, which was a record-breaking song for the longest reigning number number one, and that was only surpassed in 2019. Mm-hmm. So Mariah Carey had that record for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Falling Into You, also Mariah Carey wrote all the songs on Daydream except for one explicit cover, mm-hmm. and Falling Into You, Celine Dion didn't write herself, uh, and, you know, I, I think this would, you know, I think it definitely deserved it, and I don't want to take anything away from Celine Dion, but I just think it's interesting that of those three very celebrated vocally the vocal trinity of the 90s it's the white woman who gets the big award yeah and this replicates today where you think about like who are the big female pop stars working right now who are the ones that are both critically and commercially really successful and taylor swift has won album of the year three times Mm -hmm. adele has won album of the year twice Mm-hmm. Beyonce has never won album of the year. Rihanna's never won album of the year. Mm-hmm. There's this is replicating where yeah. it seems like it's difficult for female pop stars to get recognized and then the ones that do seem to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking a lot about that in looking at this album that you know there's a lot to love, but I do think because Celine didn't write these songs, yeah, there's a, an emotional hollowness that I think like albums like Daydream and you know Mariah Carey wrote all her own songs, those maybe have held up a little bit more, and the songs have a little more meaning and texture to them, and you just you see black women at the height of their career and height of their success and yeah. they're they're it's taken away from them mm-hmm. and this is continuing to happen in the industry and a big part of why I'm not a huge fan of the awards and stuff like that but in any case mm-hmm. I don't want to <laughs> derail this conversation too much falling into you was a, a big success and really I think the defining adult contemporary album of the 90s mm-hmm. and really solidified Celine Dion's sound and her presence. And she would, of course, further solidify that the next year doing the Titanic song. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this album is really the bedrock of what makes Celine Dion Celine Dion. And mm-hmm. if you don't like it, then I think you just don't like Celine Dion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
So as referenced, Falling Into You came out in 1996, and this was really... Celine Dion was already very popular. The English follow-up to this was The Color of My Love, and that album included her first number one song, The Power of Love. It really established her prior to this she had made only French language albums and she was she's not a native English speaker and she had taught herself English which there is kind of a critique which I've already brought up of Celine Dion not really writing her own songs but I can also understand that it might be difficult to write songs in English when that's not your first language mm-hmm. but in any case Celine Dion was a pretty big deal in the the francophone world of pop music before this and of course after this one of my very dear friends her name is tiana shout out (laughs) i'm sure she's listening hi tiana i miss you uh she actually gave me some more context about celine dion and i i guess in the french world celine dion is just absolutely beloved and untouchable she's been awarded by the French government for spreading the francophone language through music and through her art, which I think is super cool. Another dynamic that my friend talked to me about was Celine Dion being from Canada. She first said, like, a lot of French people, we don't even notice <laughs> that, <laughs> we, like, we forget that she's not actually French. And there is sort of a level of the French looking down on people from Quebec and then moving there, retiring mm-hmm. there, and feeling entitled to living there. And there, the Quebecois accent, I the nearest comparison I've heard in English is it sort of sounds to an American like what Scottish sounds like, mm-hmm. which could be difficult to understand for people from France. Mm-hmm. And, like, they go to Quebec and, like, laugh in people's faces when they hear them talk. Mm-hmm. And Tiana said, you know, this has really become, like, a cultural touch point And, yeah. you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the legacy of colonization has really uh, impacted mm-hmm. this attitude. And there's now a movement in France. You know, there's French... Fran- France French yeah. is not the default. Mm-hmm. And we need to respect and honor the way other people talk. And in that sense, I think it's really cool, the success that, I mean, duh, the 1995 album that mm-hmm. was French language, yeah. that some of the songs on duh in French are on Falling Into You in English translations. Mm-hmm. That's still the best-selling Francophone album of all time. Yeah, uh, It's cool to see that Celine Dion's had such success in the Francophone world, given that there there is kind of a a snobbishness that French people have against Quebecois folks. Mm -hmm. But in any case, she made uh, The Color of Love, and that was a big hit. And then from there, she made two more French language albums. So Falling Into You was her return to English language albums. And it was just a huge blockbuster. And Celine Dion is not a songwriter particularly, And so she relies a lot on other folks writing songs for her, doing covers and sort of siphoning through material Mm -hmm. and then interpreting it in her own vocal stylings. And she worked with the biggest and the brightest. I mean, looking at the list of producers and songwriters here, I mean, you've got Diane Warren, who is just a maverick in pop songwriting. 
Jen Steinman, who wrote a lot for Meat Loaf. He is a big deal. David Foster is a super producer. And then, of course, she's doing covers of You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. You've got some Carol King there. You've got River Deep Mountain High, which Phil Spector wrote. And Phil Spector is... I was reading his Wikipedia page, and there is some, there is some tea with Phil Spector. So this was at a point in Celine's career where she could really command the best and the brightest to support her star power and her charisma and really most centralize her voice, that really powerful belting range, beautiful, it's smooth, it's exciting. Blake, a lot of these things are very different from the music that I know that you listen to <laughs> on a regular basis. So mm -hmm. I'm so curious, you know, what was your interaction with this stuff? What did you like? What connected with you? How do you feel about this album? Yeah, honestly, I I really like this album. Like, I feel like going into it, like, I was, like, looking at the track list beforehand, and I was, like, I recognized almost all the covers. I, re I recognize it's all coming back to me now. So, like, there was some familiarity, like, going into it. So I was, like, okay, I know a couple of these. But there was definitely, and I think with having It's All Coming Back to Me Now, which I'm sure we will talk about in depth when we get to sort of our track-by-track -track analysis, you know, I was like listening to it and I was like, you know, this is great. I've heard it before. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, are we just going to get 16 power ballads? But, you know, listening to it, there were some genuine surprises for me. I think this took a lot more sort of sonic, sonic risks and sort of shifts that I didn't necessarily anticipate. And there were some tracks, which I'm sure we'll also talk about later, that genuinely just kind of surprised me. And I was like, wow, I was not expecting to kind of be enthralled by the deep cuts as I was. But there was there were just a lot of really great moments on this album. And it kind of it kind of took me by surprise. I really ended up just liking it overall. And it felt like, you know, it was definitely a step outside of my comfort zone. There was still a bit of familiarity. But no, I'm definitely, it made me want to do, I want to dive more into Celine's discography now. So I like definitely, overall, I I really like this album. I really like it. And I'm excited to kind of dig into it further and talk about some of those moments that did surprise me. Some of the moments that maybe did not work as well for me. But yeah, overall impressions, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think that there's really necessarily like a quote unquote, like awful song on this record. Yeah, there's definitely, this is a real pivot for me coming into this, starting with Breakaway, moving on to Positions, and now looking at this album. It lives and dies on Celine Dion's voice, and I think if you are looking for something that's artistically really deep and making this really controversial or alternative statement i don't know that you're gonna find it here what this album really is to me is it's the zenith and the line of best fit of the 90s power pop power ballad era this yeah. is adult contemporary music which is not popular or in vogue right now so it was sort of difficult to put myself in the mindset of thinking about all of these songs if they were released today i think they would be slept on or not mm -hmm. high charting but thinking about a time where these were the biggest songs in the nation yeah is so interesting to me and i too was hit with several surprises uh and i think 
Celine is just having a lot of fun and continuing world domination at this mm-hmm. point, and this just continued that trend for her. I think it's a little sleepy and a little boring at certain points, yeah. and I don't know that it's aged to a point of being relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that this statement would... I, I don't know that it should be super popular if it was released now, but if you want to look at a superstar vocalist just riffing and Track having one. a great time, then Do this I is a need really to say fun it? it's little such rock. such an iconic <laughs> fucking opener. Like, from the moment it starts, it's just like, ooh, mm-hmm. be quiet. Listen yeah. up. It's all coming back to me now. Wow. Mm-hmm. This song is 7 minutes and 37 seconds, and boy, does it take every second mm-hmm. and milk it with as much emotion as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bury the lead. My take on this song, I think it's the Bohemian Rhapsody of <laughs> 90s power pop ballads. Mm-hmm. I think there's every texture, there's soft, breezy, there's intense belting, there's swirling dramatic production. It's just all there, all the tropes. There's two full vocal climaxes. It's really two full songs mm-hmm. mirrored on the Y axis. Mm-hmm. And it's just a delight to listen to. I have such a profound personal relationship to this song that it's hard to disaggregate from mm-hmm. that. But I just, it's so easy to get into those big feelings. Celine packs the emotion in. Were you taken up in it, Blake? I, I'm not quite as high on the song as you are. I do enjoy it. I, of course, respect its place in pop music and its place in 90s pop culture. And I think it is a great introduction to what this album is and honestly kind of what i expected every track to be mm-hmm. was to be this big soaring sweeping ballad and i do genuinely enjoy it and i do like it as a song and maybe this is just with how i listen to it as that whenever i listen to albums for the podcast even if i only make it halfway through it and then i get interrupted and pause it i always start at the top and work my way down again i always try to listen from track one to whatever it ends at so i always try to listen in order And so always going back to this one after five, six times, I was like, this is a song I cannot listen to every day. (laughs) I enjoy, I feel like it's definitely, and that's partially I'm thinking about how I consume music is that when I find a song that I really resonate with, I listen to it like at least 20 or 30 times. And like there are songs on this record that I have listened to like that amount of times because I really just want to just live in kind of that sonic space. Like, I love it. I get very attached to it. So I didn't quite have that moment. Like, I also, I didn't grow up with this song. Like, I heard it. Like, I knew of it. Like, I, like, heard the intro. And I was like, I I recognize this song. And, but yes, its legacy, its impact is absolutely undeniable. I think it's a really great showcase for what this album really is about. Celine's vocals, the way that she plays with instrumental has a very cinematic quality to it. And yeah, it's a great track. Just on a personal level, I it's not one that I can see myself revisiting every single day, but I of course respect it and it's it's great. It is a genuinely great song that deserves its place 
on sort of the Mount Rushmore of 90s power ballads. I don't know what the other three would be. Yeah. But that might be another That's another ep- podcast. <laughs> That's another honestly. podcast. Yeah, but... we could submit our own, our takes on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this song is has an interesting backstory. So Jim Steinman wrote this song, and he was inspired by Wuthering Heights, which is actually not a story that I'm very familiar with. I'm not a literary nerd. But he was inspired by, I guess, the scene where the guy, like, digs up a corpse mm-hmm. and is dancing with it. So Ooh. you can really hear the the rawness and kind of morbid obsession mm-hmm. in the lyrics of this song. This yeah. relationship that they're singing about is mm-hmm. so curious to me because mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the lover has been dead and something has reminded Celine, the singer, of the lover. Yeah. But there was, you know, nights of endless pleasure. Like, mm-hmm. clearly there was a lot of passion, a lot of lust, a lot of kind of carnal desire. Mm-hmm. But then there's empty threats and hollow lies. You know, this wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily a healthy, functional relationship that I, I just feel like there's so much story that's embedded in there that is told through the emotion rather than through explicitly what went down and what happened. Mm -hmm. And so Jim Steinman is notable for working with Meatloaf. He wrote, I could do anything for love, but I won't do that. And Meatloaf was salty AF that this (laughs) song was not given to him. But Jim Steinman was like, no, a woman has to sing this song. And Meatloaf, Meatloaf eventually did cover this song. <laughs> he was jealous. He mm-hmm. wanted this hit for himself. And mm-hmm. Jim, Jim held firm. So eventually this went to a group called Pandora's Box. And they released the original version. I don't know that I've ever listened to it. Mm-hmm. But then he, Jim Simon was working with Celine Dion and felt like she would be a good fit for this song. He really felt attached to the idea of a woman singing this song. He felt like it was a female perspective. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, Celine Dion is thrown everything. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, this woman holds her own and carries her voice against every orchestral trick and production. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just a lesser singer would have completely gotten lost in this mm-hmm. arrangement. Yeah. And she doesn't. She is the star the whole way through. She just is that commanding. And if mm-hmm. you like Celine Dion, this is her at the height of her powers mm-hmm. delivering a personal anecdote about mm-hmm. this song in particular mm-hmm. my grandparents uh lived in they still my grandma still does live in southern california and i'm from seattle and my family had sort of a a rhythm of when we would go see them we could get it done in two days mm-hmm. we'd stay in somewhere in northern california the first day and make it down mm-hmm. to california the next time in 2014, my grandpa died, and we were going down to be there for the, the commemoration, the service, and the, all those things. And my mom had actually gone earlier to California, and my dad and my two sisters, we were going to drive down. And that whole road trip was a complete disaster. We were leaving... Seattle and in Tacoma, which is only about like 40 minutes away, there was a log truck that had flipped over on the freeway. Mm -hmm. So all four lanes were blocked. We had to pull over at a rest stop. It was just a a shit show. 
and the things in our family were in in a complicated time and it was just not great and then of course one of the issues with doing this drive is that we have to go through the Los Angeles metropolitan area which it takes more than a smile and we usually planned it very strategically where we would take the alternate route and go through to the San Bernardino Valley mm-hmm. or we would hit LA like anytime after 10 p.m. during yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. And so this time we unfortunately made the wrong choice of going through LA and mm-hmm. unbeknownst to us, they had closed three out of four lanes in the grapevine, Ooh, like that area north yeah. of LA mm-hmm. for construction. And of uh-huh. course they have to do construction at 10.30 at night in LA because the traffic is so bad. Yeah. So we, it's like 10.45 and my grandparents still live like an hour past LA mm-hmm. and we are in gridlock mm-hmm. and again 10:45 p.m. where it's exhausted this road trip has been a complete disaster before mm-hmm. this yeah. and we're just stuck my mom who was not there had this habit of when we were kids and we were in a situation where we were going to be bored or we were just behind she would always say Let's play the alphabet game. <laughs> and that the alphabet game is you come up with a topic like animals and you mm-hmm. say A is for aardvark and then you'd say A is for aardvark, B is for bear and then you'd mm-hmm. have to remember all the ones and keep going through the entire alphabet. Yeah. So at that point we were all way too old for the alphabet game. And so whenever that came up it was mm-hmm. always kind of ironically mm-hmm. but we were just stuck in traffic. It was such a nightmare. And we were like, let's play the alphabet game just to mm-hmm. pass the time. And we did. And normally there was some kind of topic like sports teams or cities or whatever. Mm-hmm. We were like, we're not fucking doing a topic. This is just going to be a mess. And so mm-hmm. for the letter I, mm-hmm. I, it was my turn to come up with the thing. Yeah. So for the letter I, I said, it's all coming back to me now by Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. And I had to make it even more extra because, of course, you know how I feel about long song titles. <laughs> so I was remembering the year at the Oscars in which the push was nominated for everything but they couldn't call it push it was push based on the novel or yeah. no it it's was precious. precious yeah precious based, based on, on the, the novel, novel push by, by sapphire. sapphire so my eye was it's all coming back to me now by celine dion based on the novel push by sapphire and we had to every time we hit i in the alphabet game after that we had to say that whole thing so that's what this song will forever make me think of. And it was just a completely hysterical moment. We ended up getting to my grandma's house at like two in the morning Ooh. because after we got through that traffic jam, they closed the freeway like past Santa Ana and we had to get off. It was just that whole road trip. We we're mm-hmm. kindly refer to it now as Ratchet Road Trip 2014. <laughs> and this song was a splendid part of it. So... Mm-hmm. It carries that special time in my life. Another thing that I love is my sister, who frequently is a DJ when we're in family road trips in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, she likes a lot of like soundtracks, Disney songs, songs that are incorporated into larger stories. She doesn't necessarily listen to a ton of pop music, but she loves the song and it works its way onto every playlist. So it it comes up quite frequently when we're doing road trips and that kind of thing. So It's All Coming Back to Me Now is a very special song to me, and I smile every Mm -hmm. time it comes on. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm done sharing my personal experiences, (laughs) 
because we all know it's all about me. Uh, the music video. The mm. music video for the song is actually pretty good. The exteriors were filmed at this castle in Prague, which is Ooh. very pretty. So the Fancy. breakdown goes. So mm-hmm. Celine is with a man. He's studly and Caucasian, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. And he's a motorcyclist. I don't know what his job is, but he does mm-hmm. like to ride the motorcycle. So he's leaving one they're in this castle and he leaves one night and there's a storm, there's lightning, and a tree falls and catches on a wire, and there's a lot of really convincing special mm-hmm. effects. The tree catches on fire and the motorcycle, he falls off his motorcycle and he goes in and he dies. Mm-hmm. And then Celine Dion, who let me just say there is no greater commercial for the influence of Jennifer Aniston's The Rachel haircut from season one <laughs> oh, of Friends yes. than Celine Dion in this era. Celine Dion saw Friends and she said, that, I want to <laughs> look like her. So Celine Dion has a very iconic iteration of The Rachel. Yes. And she is in this illustrious mansion and going through memory lane and... I think there are some very stunning fashion choices. There's this outfit that looks like what Celine Dion would wear if she were being asked to sign the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like white and has all these kind of frills and flutters on it. It looks very good. Uh, And then, yeah, she just is running around the mansion getting all these swirls and there's lots of cloth everywhere. There's actually some very, like sexual stuff going on because of course the ghost mm. of the motorcyclist comes back and yeah. they have some some moments some flirtation <laughs> if you will mm-hmm. Jim Steinman also wrote famously Total Eclipse of the Heart and mm. if you've seen that Ooh, music video this seems like a very this, this music video is a sister <laughs> of Total Eclipse of the Heart mm-hmm. for sure yeah. Celine looks great it's just what you need this music video to be for this song uh it's 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 a delight it's a a fun trip back to the (laughs) 90s for anyone that wants to watch it then in terms of the chart performance this song it it breaks my heart the macarena kept this song from being number one the macarena (laughs) kept it's all coming back to me now from being number one it peaked at number two but it's number one in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Truly. Fucking Macarena. <laughs> Stupid song. Macarena was number one for 14 weeks, which was is still in the like one of the longest reigning number one songs of all time. And I cannot figure out why. Like, maybe give it one week if you really like the dance, but mm-hmm. gosh, it just it seems unfair. Yeah. And then in terms of legacy, this is one of Celine Dion's signature songs. It's one you had heard, Blake, yeah. for sure. And uh, one fun piece of its legacy that is relevant in 2020, the NFL released mm-hmm. a commercial when they were coming back mm-hmm. after their 2020 COVID hiatus, yeah. and they had this song as the mm-hmm. backing track, and a bunch of the like burly football players are lip-syncing to it, which mm-hmm. I just think is... Such a fun yeah. marriage of like mm-hmm. bro dude culture and like gay icon culture. Yeah, I I love I love moments like that. It was it's a very fun commercial, but mm-hmm. 
I think that that more broadly speaks to the emotion and the the connection that Celine has to this song has really been, I think, what's kept it relevant mm-hmm. in her catalog and in sort of the broader world mm-hmm. of 90s pop power ballads. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What context have you heard this song before? Uh, I'm sure just like, so the biggest context that I've heard this song in, and of course a lot of Celine Dion's music, is I know this song because of a television program called Glee. No! This was covered (laughs) in uh, season three, episode 21, Nationals, which I rewatched the performance from Glee. Uh, It's if you... It's when the New Directions go to, I believe, they're in Chicago. They're in Chicago for Nationals. Wait, they have Nationals in Chicago? Yeah, Nationals in Chicago. I totally That's the season that. three Nationals. And, I uh, thought that was New York. New York was season two. Oh, So it's okay. New York. They lose, spoilers for Glee season two, <gasps> they lose Nationals in New York <laughs> because Finn and Rachel kiss on stage and essentially fuck up the whole performance. And... Season in a three. weird moment of like something unprofessional actually having consequences on the yeah. show Glee. Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. So and planting then... drugs in students' lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we. I am sure we will have a full Glee episode at some point. Tangent. One of my dear friends. We have a drinking game called Problematic Glee, in which <laughs> we watch Glee and drink every time it's problematic. Which turns into like us following the rules for about fifteen minutes and then getting drunk to the point where we just point and say we should drink at this point, but it's just not possible anymore. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, yeah. go ahead. The goal of the game is not to get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> but it's to survive to keep playing problematically. <laughs> but yes, it- uh, Leah Michelle's character Rachel performs this, and she performs a lot of other Celine Dion songs throughout the show. I know she does Taking Chances in one of the first episodes. I believe it's season one. So a lot of Celine Dion's music I do know from Glee. <laughs> but yes, that is the big kind of like moment in my mind watching watching it as it aired, like season three, then being at Nationals and hearing kind of hearing the song for the first time through Glee and seeing Leah, Leah Michelle do this cover. She doesn't perform the full song. She performs like the first two minutes. Imagine if they did. Imagine if they just gave seven minutes and 37 seconds to Rachel Berry belting face. Yes. I do think I want to comment. Mm-hmm. So yes, for the Gleeks out there, there's things I do like about Glee, but in general, I think it's a terrible show that I hate watch. Yeah, but I do think I I haven't listened super recently, but I in my head I can hear the Leah Michelle cover. I think that really references just how great Celine Dion is oh, because yeah. Leah Michelle is singing the song to be gratuitous and oh, yeah. have people recommend you know think she's a great singer. She wants to hit the high notes and do all that stuff, which technically I guess she can. But there's a real lack of connection i think there in the leah michelle version which i think is a fair criticism of a lot of glee's stuff Mm -hmm. but i i think celine dion can technically sing very impressively yeah it's the emotional connection to it Mm -hmm. that i really want to celebrate because there's other singers that can technically hit the same note she can and all that stuff but Mm -hmm. like leah michelle can't evoke the same she can't bring out the same grandeur that this song has that's really only celine that can do that oh yeah of course so 
now that we are coming off, uh, it's all coming back to me now. Now that it's come back to us and we've kind of officially opened this album, that brings us to uh, track two, which is technically the album's biggest hit, Because You Loved Me. I think any other song on this track list would have suffered dramatically for following It's All Coming Back to Me Now. So I think it's very smart that they slotted Because You Loved Me after this because... How do you follow It's All Coming Back to Me Now, but yeah. with this? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Blake? Uh, I mean, I I liked it. It's another it's another solid power ballad. I think it's a very nice continuation of It's All Coming Back to Me Now, but it's a little bit quieter. It's a little bit sweeter. You know, it's a very much what I love most about this song, and I was watching a music video for it, but it's a love song that's not t- necessarily tied to like a romantic relationship. Like I was like watching music videos and like I was like looking through the comments and there were people being like, I use this for like my father daughter dance at my wedding. Like knowing that it's a love song that like works for any kind of like romantic relationships. It just speaks more to less kind of like a specific person. It's not gendered. It's just kind of a very kind of just a song about universal love and that's it's what, special yeah it's it special sweet. i really and it seems to have really genuinely connected with people and i think that was like the music video for it itself is not really remarkable it's from i can't remember the name of the robert redford movie up close and personal up close and personal so it's from 1996 uh, it's a robert redford movie it's i from what i gathered from the music video it's about newscasters falling in love I, it was difficult to follow what the movie plot was i felt like it was like six different movies mm-hmm. that they were showing but yeah that music video is boring yeah it is like the quintessential standard movie soundtrack tie-in music video yeah like oh specifically of like the 90s too like you've got celine dion with another the rachel haircut yeah and she's in this room with a bunch of tvs which she does this in the the, that's the way it is music video too where she's Mm -hmm. like on a bunch of tvs i don't know if this is a a thing she likes to do i don't know if that was a callback to that either but Mm -hmm. when we get to reviewing greatest hits album singles i guess we'll get to that one Mm -hmm. but yeah i thought this uh this really suffered as a music video i was very bored also i've never seen up close and personal i don't know how great of a movie it is but i was very like eyebrow raised at Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert Redford in a movie together because I was like I don't think they're around the same age and I looked it up and yeah Robert Redford is over 20 years older than Michelle Pfeiffer which is I'm just sick and tired of Hollywood doing that like Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of relationships that have age gaps but it's just like come on like why does Robert Redford get to be this like suddenly amazing leading man Mm -hmm. deeper into his career but like when women hit a certain age they have to play the mom yeah like it just it doesn't seem fair I love Robert Redford I love Michelle Pfeiffer they're great actors it just yeah something about that irritated me Mm -hmm. yeah this is I mean really quintessential Mm -hmm. of this kind of song like you can totally see why this was a huge hit yeah this was a diane warren number diane warren of course being i think it's not unfair to say the max martin of pop music kind of the era before max martin and Mm -hmm. she's of course still working and doing things i don't mean to say that she's no longer relevant she of course wrote if i could turn back time by Cher," how do Mm -hmm. i live leanne rhymes i don't want to miss a thing aerosmith among other things 
It's fun to see her working with Celine. They seem mm-hmm. like, you know, coffee and cream mm-hmm. working together exceptionally well. David Foster produced this song, and he's also a super producer, has worked with everyone under the sun. Of course, we've got, like, Neil Sedaka, George Harrison, Dolly mm-hmm. Parton. Yeah. He's, he's a big deal, too. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, this is just some of these people at the height of their powers doing the thing that they do. Yeah. I, I'm i stealing this. I did not come up with this. Uh, I've heard the vocal climax of the song compared to a fireworks show, Ooh. which I think is very apt. And once I heard that yeah. comparison, I was like, it does. Her voice is kind of doing these, like, a mm-hmm. firework interpretation of a vocal climax, which I like. I like that it's not just, you know, one big note and some flutters at the end. There's a lot of things that she's doing to kind of play around with with the tune. Yeah. I believe Diane Warren wrote the song about her father. So, mm-hmm. again, to your point, it, it is a love song that could definitely be directed at a romantic partner, but it's not explicitly that, which... Mm-hmm. I think, again, explains how this song was such a huge hit. It's got a message you could apply to a lot of different things. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just that smooth, easy-listening, adult contemporary 90s power pop thing. Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly, this is the number one song from this album. It was number one for six weeks in mm-hmm. early 1996. It's actually sandwiched between two Mariah Carey number ones. <laughs> it is... Immediately follows the end of One Sweet Day and then Always Be My Baby was mm-hmm. the number one after this. So yeah. uh, a really solid block of powerful mm-hmm. women in the industry yeah. at the height of their powers. So that's cool to see. I guess in comparing it to a lot of other of the songs on the album, I didn't think it was as standout-ish. I think it yeah. fell a little more middle of the road for me, which I found surprising given that it was such a big song. I was very familiar with it. Yeah. I think it's a good movie theme. Celine, yeah. that seems to be Celine's favorite genre of song. Yeah. That's where she hits her most successful points of her oh, career. So mm-hmm. the title Yeah, track. because you love track. Yeah. Good song. Falling song. Into You. And this is your favorite song, Blake, right? That you are incorrect. This is you love it. I no. This is I'm sorry. I'm her. And if there are any falling into you stands out there, I'm going to upset you. This song is boring. I'm just every time I listen to it, every listen through, I feel like we start off so strong with it's all coming back to me now. Even with become because you loved me, and like on my first listen through, we get to falling into you, and I feel like it just brings this album to a grinding. grinding halt and i was just like oh my god this is just so meandering and slow and i like i get its purpose i get it's kind of like falling into you like i get this kind of like this gent one i can see that she's trying to go for kind of like just like this gentle like drift kind of spanish guitar kind of slower this slower we're slowing things down a bit and i feel like that same intention and that same those same stylings are executed at so like so much better at different points in this album. I just it's it just every time I listen to it, it just makes me want to fall asleep. I feel like it just takes that energy that it's built up, and there's just nothing really particularly memorable about it. It feels slow. It's meandering vocally. 
there's not really anything stand out about it. She doesn't really, she doesn't sound bad. Of course, her vocals are great, but it's, it's just... It's hard for her to sound yeah. bad. But I think maybe it's also just where it is in the track list, but coming off these two kind of mammoth, like, singles, it's just, it, it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it. I, I'm, I don't see, really see myself coming back for it. If you enjoy it... All the power to you. I wish I could. It's just, it's not for me. Wow. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Blake. I actually, it's funny. I'm surprised that you hate it as much as you do because I do like it. I think you raise some really fair criticisms and I don't, I, I'm not going to die on the hill that this is a great song by any means. I do think with the project i actually like where it falls because i think later in the track list there is this sort of seductive kind of lush production a little bit mysterious vibe going on and i like that that level is introduced here with falling into you i do think you could argue that in some of the acts of it's all coming back to me now that that level of style is there to to kind of be introduced so i i get where you're coming from Mm -hmm. from that perspective but i we all know i'm a sucker for a spanish guitar so Mm -hmm. i do love that vibe to this song this song was written by marie claire dubaldo i hope i said her last name correctly she is an argentine singer Mm -hmm. and this was her big hit uh, that I think is cool that Celine Dion covered and you know gave mm-hmm. elevated her song to that level and I, I like the, the global flavor of this album for sure I am so perplexed lyrically mm-hmm. the the part that I just can't get past falling into you falling like a leaf mm-hmm. falling like a star just like visually thinking about like a leaf falling and a star falling. Yeah. Two very like starkly different types of falling. Yeah. That I wasn't sure, like I wasn't sure if it was genius or terrible. Mm-hmm. Because part of me is like, I'm falling into you subtly or I'm falling into you very dramatically. Like, is yeah. that the contrast that's making this interesting? Or are those things just so disparate? That it's weird to compare the imagery. And I, yeah, I think yeah. the first time I heard it, I like chuckled a little bit. I was like, falling like a leaf. Yeah. And then a star. I, I, again, I can't make sense of it in my head of what's really going on there. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't hate this to the level that you do. Mm-hmm. But is this one of the all time great Celine Dion songs? No. Is this one of the all time great songs on this album? No. It is interesting that it is the namesake of the album. I think that kind of gives you, makes you pay mm-hmm. special attention to a track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I know in reading this, so Celine Dion has uh, Renee. I don't remember his last name. Her husband's name is Renee. He's mm-hmm. her manager and has yeah. been involved in her career for a long time. Mm-hmm. Some controversy in that he's quite a bit older than her, mm-hmm. hearkening back to the Robert Redford, Michelle Pfeiffer thing. Yeah. But they stayed married. They got married in 1994 and they stayed married until his death in the 2010s or sometime, I think, 2014. Wow. So 
there was clearly something there between them, and it was very sweet. I was watching an interview with her. She was talking about, mm-hmm. like, what she was doing her residency in Caesar's Palace, and she yeah. took some time off to care for him when he had cancer, and then he mm-hmm. encouraged her to actually go back on stage, mm-hmm. and they had it set up so in his room, he was, like, linked into her live performances and could watch her every Aww. night, which Aww. I thought was very cute. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but... Uh, so she recorded this song and the production was very different originally mm-hmm. and she was not happy with it and Renee kind of sensed that she was not happy with it and they were like done and it was in post mm-hmm. and like he kind of said like we need to redo this and then they mm-hmm. redid it in a much more like nuanced sort of slower vibe mm-hmm. and it really I think in Celine Dion's mind this was the maturation of her sound and her yeah. taking ownership of the more adult directions that her music would go into beyond this mm-hmm. so I think that's cool and I believe that it's the title of the album and it has such a prominent place in this early track listing because it meant something to her mm-hmm. but yeah I'm not gonna listen to this song past this project and I, I don't know, there's a lot to revisit there. This song, it's interesting because the music industry functioned very differently back in the day. So I don't even know if I'm expert enough to understand how it all worked. But I guess mm-hmm. singles were released in different areas for this album. And I think yeah. the globalness of Celine Dion's artistry really made, mm-hmm. I think their management cared a lot more about releasing different songs different places. So Falling Into You was released as a single in Europe ahead mm-hmm. of Because You Loved Me. Ah. And Because You Loved Me was released as a single in the U.S. And so this was a top ten hit in the U.K. and in a couple other countries. I believe it went to number one in Spain. Mm-hmm. So this was a pretty decent hit, just like not in the U.S. It was yeah. an international song mm-hmm. more, which was cool. I will say the music video I mean, this is the breakaway of <laughs> the Falling Into You era. My goodness. So it starts, it's in this like Spanish village or mm-hmm. French village. I mm-hmm. think the kid speaks French, actually. I tried to find where they filmed this and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. If somebody knows, tell me. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's a European village. Yeah. The kid, so there's this little kid, he comes running to like Celine Dion's in this like carriage mm-hmm. and he has a note and it's a note from someone that's like good luck tonight mm-hmm. with your song and then the song starts and there's just kind of all these dramatic little like cutaways of Celine you know caressing her cheek and mm-hmm. all all the kind of classic Celine Dion isms mm-hmm. but then we get to the scene so i guess her character in this is she's in town being like there's a circus in town and she's mm-hmm. An assistant for the fire eater, the flame eater uh, yeah, person. Yeah, the flame eaters. Yeah, so she goes into this one room mm-hmm. to get ready for the show, and a literal clown <laughs> comes in and does her makeup <gasps> for her. Oh my and god! And in the process of doing her makeup, and again, she has like the short. Mm-hmm. This is a very short Rachel haircut. Yeah, the he bottom. comes in and brings. Like, it looks like when you pull out that wad of hair from a shower drain. Oh, God. He clips in, like, a ponytail in her hair. It's, like, a different color than her hair. It looks so raggedy and gross. But he clips it in, so now she has long hair, Celine. Mm -hmm. And she's wearing this, like, cape. Mm -hmm. And so then the clown is done doing her makeup. Thanks, clown. Then she goes to the show. 
Mm-hmm. And again, you're like thinking like, okay, who's this person that wrote her the note? When is he going to show up? And then she's like singing off to the side of the show. Again, lots of face touching. And then what is Celine Dion doing for the circus? The guy who's eating the flames, she's just like handing him the sticks that he's using to eat the flame. And he doesn't even choose the one that she hands to him. Like she Mm -hmm. hands him one and he's like, no, not that one. And pulls a different one out of the bucket. I don't know if it's supposed to be some kind of allegory or anything. Like, I don't know. But then he's like eating flames and she's all sad and singing the song. And then I guess the guy comes up at the end really perplexing. The the mm-hmm. memes that would have come out from this if this came out this year would be hysterical. I think oh it's a kind of a forgotten relic of time. Uh-huh. But my goodness, if you need a laugh or just like a what the fuck moment, mm-hmm. watch the Falling Into You music video. It is a wild ride. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god. So then that leads us into uh, track number four, Make You Happy, which honestly kind of did exactly what it set out. It made me happy. It made me happy, yeah. I feel like with uh, when we did Breakaway, we had kind of this moment of surprise with You Found Me, how we both kind of found this deep cut. This is kind of the album, one of, I think the first kind of deep cut we get on this album, and I really enjoyed it. It obviously takes a lot of influence from reggae, but it just has this phenomenal bounce and kind of groove to it, a very fun little bass line. I particularly love Celine's kind of cadence when she says happy, happy, like that. I really love how she, yeah, I just love a lot of her inflection and kind of the delivery, and it's just a fun song. I know, Quinn, you have a lot, you have some thoughts on it. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. I was, this song really did take me by surprise in terms of being one of the ones that I came away really loving from this album. I do love, there's kind of like a false start at the beginning where you think Celine's going to launch into a power ballad and then it's just Mm -hmm. like, nope. Yep. We're going to do some white people reggae. Switching it up. (laughs) And, and And that's the tea on that. It is cool to hear her voice at the beginning too she's doing some things vocally that i think she tries out a little bit less successfully later on the album but that a little bit different a little bit funkier with her voice and then the Mm -hmm. groove just kind of takes over and it's it's fun it's bouncy it's great yeah i do wish there was a reggae artist featured on this song. I think yeah. the song could really use like a guest verse from mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah. Bob Marley had been dead for a while, but mm-hmm. somebody of his ilk oh, to come sure. in. I also think if you're a white artist and you're going to be borrowing so blatantly and so heavily from these genres that were created by black people, it would be nice to use your massive platform to elevate another artist Uh, so Mm -hmm. i think from that perspective it does make me a little uncomfortable but it's a great song and i think it's super fun i will probably listen to it again at some point if i need to feel happy yeah for sure for sure and again i don't know why this song wasn't a single this would have been a great single to release it was released as a single in brazil yes i remember reading about the brazilian people got lucky but sure i would have i would have made a push for this one and it's early on the track list which makes me think maybe it was supposed to be and then it got scrapped Mm -hmm. but whatever it's not like she needed any more success from this album but she probably could have snagged a 
Take a solid hit out of this. I think the sun could be a lot bigger than it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now we arrive at Seduces Me, which, again, just like how Make You Happy made me happy, Seduces Me seduced me through and through. I Appropriate titles. I know, appropriate album. titles. Yeah. I love this song. I think it's so atmospheric. I feel like there's just such an interesting layering in terms of instrumentals. Like, it really builds. I love her vocals on this as well, and I feel like it's this track that has only gotten better for me every time that I listen to it. Like, it very effectively, it draws me in. It slows, it kind of slows the momentum a little bit, especially coming right after Make You Happy. But where I felt like falling into you, like, brought everything to a grinding halt, I feel like there's enough here, and I feel like a lot of kind of the instrumentals that she's exploring, like, especially with the guitars, I love this track's incorporation of the guitar. There's kind of this, like, echoey, kind of, like, 60s, like, I don't know exactly, like, what it's called, but it, like, kind of, honestly, kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, a Beach Boys song. Like, this kind a of... A like, Beach Boys song? Yes, there's kind of, like... I would, this, they did not come to mind. When no, I was no there's, like, this weird... But, like, there's, like, this, like, sonic effect. It's kind of, like, this echoey... Huh. Like, I can't... I don't know what it's called. I don't know, like, the musical terminology of it. But I really like that. But I feel like the biggest thing for me is that it has atmosphere. And I think, especially given the subject matter of the song itself, that it's about seduction i think it just captures that act and that experience so 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 well and again it's i feel like it's a song that just gets better and better for me it's something that where like it seduces me like i am i feel like i am repeatedly just drawn back into it and i i love this song i think it will easily work its way into my daily rotation and probably will be the song that i will remember most from this record and I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I can see why it was not chosen as a single, but I, I kind of, I love that it's a deep cut. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's not a single for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, but it's I not don't, a single. I, singles are not the only good songs. Yeah, I am. It's funny to me how much you love this song, given that I see so much connective tissue between yeah. falling into you and this song. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm amused that you're, <laughs> you're gushing about it, but you hate falling into you. Yeah. I am also impressed with this song. I don't know that it struck me or grabbed me the way that it grabbed you, but mm-hmm. I, I gotta admit, you really highlighting it, I liked it, and I only liked it more sort of hearing your take on it. Mm-hmm. It is at face value. It's a seductive song. It's really Celine Dion at her sexiest mm-hmm. and most alluring, which I love to see her interpretation of that. Last time we talked, it was Ariana Grande being like, let's 69. And yeah. this is a really different interpretation of sex and that sort of vibe. And it's Celine Dion doing her Celine Dion thing. What's not to love here? This is totally a bedroom jam. Yeah. I'm into it. I I love the production. The Spanish guitar is back. That makes me happy. Yeah. My heart's sore. Mm-hmm. I, I'm totally in support of this being one of the album highlights. Yeah. I feel like there's just, there's such a build to it. I think especially like with Falling Into You, I think 
what really kind of loses me as well is something that you touched on is kind of i'm kind of lost on what the metaphor is supposed to be in terms of falling like is it this slow falling like falling like a leaf or is it like a star <laughs> falling like was one of i feel like because i was like recognizing that it's like these two very much kind of share the same kind of connective tissue but it feels like seduces me like it's very clear in its intentions it feels focused where I feel like there's just kind of like this meandering like with falling into you I'm not really sure what it's trying to do I feel like seduces me it's just it's very clear it's very intentional it's very direct and I feel like it kind of it plays a bit more I feel like it kind of I feel like falling into you is just kind of like a first draft and like seduces me is like the final product like if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a much more realized song. Yeah. One thing I love about it in the details, I love her elongation of seduce yes. me. She draws out that ooh sound. I do think part of it is her first language being French. French mm-hmm. is a back weighted language, whereas English is front weighted. Yeah. So like for example, like the word guitar, that's a word that's borrowed from French and it's like <laughs> guitar the emphasis yeah. is on the second part of the syllable whereas most English words they start mm-hmm. you know with the the front part and then we sort of lose the back end but with Celine Dion French being her first language mm-hmm. I think it's very effective to back weight the seduce yeah and be seduces me rather than seduce yeah so Ooh. interesting linguistics oh look at you Mr. Linguistics over here I took one course. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we've kind of come off the high of... We've been made happy. We've been seduced. Yes. Now we're... We're alone. (laughs) Yes. We're alone again. And now we are... We arrive at All By Myself, which is one of the tracks that I knew going into this album. It's, of course, a cover of the... Eric Eric Carmen. Yes. Eric Carmen. I know the original. I know the cover... Celine's cover as well, especially. I feel like this one I have more familiar with, more familiarity with than Eric Carmen's original version. But it's a great song, and I, Celine kills it as per usual. I think this is, of course, one of her most iconic performances as an artist. A song that, even though that she did not write it, it's a song that she's really been able to make her own, especially with that high note and kind of that final chorus. She. You know, it's, again, another, I feel like, kind of also another part of just pop music in the 90s that another one of its defining moments is this cover, and I think she's able to really make it her own, and I think it fits, I think it fits with thematically within the album as well. It's, I think, a lot of the themes that she kind of touches on are obviously falling in love, uh, having devotion to a romantic partner. And so this is, and very much so, the intensity of feeling that accompanies kind of falling in love. And I think All By Myself kind of takes this really interesting angle where she has this intensity of feeling, but not a, with, but again, with sort of this feeling of loneliness. There's been a lot of love songs, uh, songs about seduction. And I feel like this kind of very nicely, it still keeps that kind of same feeling, but it takes a slightly different sentiment on it. So I think it was a very wise choice to have this cover on here. And of course, I think it's become a staple in in her discography. Yeah, it's hard to argue with this. I mean, this could be on the Mount Rushmore of Celine Dion songs. 
she totally took this cover and made it her own. I do think if you strip out that vocal climax, mm-hmm. is there a lot that's particularly special? Probably not. But when mm-hmm. you get to that point where she's holding this insane note like into the stratosphere for mm-hmm. I don't even know how many seconds, 10, 11, yeah. long time, shredding her vocal cords... There is an amazing clip on Watch What Happens Live with Celine Dion where a, a caller called in and asked her about this high note. And she says she was talking to David Foster ahead of recording the song. And he was like, hey, what key do you want us to use? And she you know, goes down to her basement and plunks on the keyboard, anymore, anymore, you know, sings it out. And she picks the key. Okay, sing it in this key. Okay, perfect. See you when we record the song. So Celine shows up to the studio to record the song, and David Foster is like, Celine, mm-hmm. I have the biggest <laughs> surprise for you. And she is like, oh my, what is this big surprise? And he's like, so I raised it a key and a half at the vocal climax. And Celine's like, you did what? And he's like, yeah, it'll be great. It's awesome. It sounds really good. And, you know, mm-hmm. she was talking about how beautiful the arrangement sounded, and she was like, David, I don't know if I can hit that note. And he was like, oh, okay, like, there's probably other singers that can do it. And she was like, that was all I needed to hear. (laughs) And she was like, hold my whatever she was holding. Like, Mm -hmm. Celine Dion was not about to, and I'm sure David Foster didn't have any other singer in mind, but she was not about to be told that she couldn't hit that note. And she damn well did it. And <laughs> yeah, it's if you are a fan of vocal acrobatics, I, I don't. I'm not a technical singer, so I don't know how healthy it is that she sang that note that way. But mm-hmm. in terms of just listening to it auditorily, it's very satisfying and very oh, yeah. impressive to mm-hmm. listen to. It's such a signature moment for her mm-hmm. and for this album. I mean, vocally, I don't think you can argue another point in this album has such a impressive vocal moment. Uh, and yeah, you know, don't tell Celine she can't do it because mm-hmm. yeah. she will prove you wrong. Every single time. This song was the third top ten hit from this album. It peaked at number four. So, yet another example of this album's influence, impact, all that good stuff. The music video is boring as fuck. I'm <laughs> disappointed by it. She's, again, has... It's, the, there's screen grabs from this shoot that are the cover photo of the mm-hmm. album, like her in that white t-shirt with the jeans and the Rachel haircut. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just a lot of that. Eventually, she goes on stage and is singing in, like, a slick-looking black blazer pantsuit type of thing. Nice. It's just boring. They could have done something with it. The song is all about loneliness and despair. Mm-hmm. Like, make yeah. me cry, damn it. Make <laughs> me feel something. <laughs> But I think they also wanted to keep it simple to focus on her voice, which it's hard to argue with that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'll take it. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that video is better. Yeah, absolutely. That is a fair, fair choice, fair choice. So now we're on to track seven, Declaration of Love. Another highlight from this album. Absolutely incredible vocals, passionate, emotional delivery, it's called Declaration of Love. They're really literal song titles on this. Oh, yeah. Because it is a declaration. Mm-hmm. It is not subtle. It is not trying to uh, beat around the bush. Like, 
Celine loves you, and by golly, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, she sounds great. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to hard to argue with it. I pledge allegiance to the heavens above is so corny to me. Oh, she yeah. saves it because the vocals are so good and like yeah. the feelings there. Mm-hmm. I hate that lyric. It really does irk me, but mm-hmm. the song's too good to let that drag it down. Yeah, absolutely. I This is another track that in particular really took me by surprise. I, after All By Myself, I was kind of just expecting another power ballad, especially with that title, Declaration of Love. It, it really um, delivered for being a bad song title. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, like, are we, I assume it's gonna be, are we gonna get another Because You Love Me? Like, I would not be opposed to that, but, like, listening to it, I was just like, okay, this is not, I was kind of like a bait and switch. I was like, okay, this is not exactly what I thought it was gonna be. Like, it was, but in terms of just her vocals and the instrumental styling of it all, like, she... It's just, there's just such an energy here, and it's just a delight. Like, it very much, I think it pairs really well with Make You Happy, and that they Mm -hmm. very capture very similar feelings, and it's her, I think, definitely having fun. Like, I think that's just the greatest strength. Like, I can tell that this was a song that she was really passionate about recording and performing, and, you know, it is is very literal. There's some, it kind of... there, there's some corniness to it. There's some corniness to there's it. Corniness there's corniness to fun. every one of oh, these yes. songs. There is For not sure. one of these songs that doesn't have yes. a high degree of schmaltz. Oh, That's yes. just the but nature of this Yes, album. it made the hopeless romantic in me very happy, and I was able to relate to it in that sense. I do want to comment, this does sound like the best song Linda Ronstadt ever recorded. There's a lot, of, I hear a lot of Linda in this. Yeah. So now we arrive at our next cover in the track list, which I honestly, I did not even realize it was a cover until you pointed which it out. Which is sacrilege. <laughs> this song is very famous. Yeah. I do also want to, mm-hmm. for a moment, it's confusing to me which version of this album we were supposed to do. We went mm-hmm. with the one that was on Spotify. Yeah. I think the one that's on Spotify most closely mirrors like the European Australian mm-hmm. version because uh, this wasn't on all the versions of Falling Into You. Okay. It again it's confusing to me what we're supposed to do. This is just what we're going to analyze. You have an issue with it. I look forward to hearing your podcast of the yes. real Falling Into yes. You ranking. Leave us but, a review. <laughs> but yes, this was definitely part of the era and part of like it was released on this album in several ways, but it wasn't on like every single version of it. But track eight of the European and Australian versions of the album, mm-hmm. You May Feel Like a Natural Woman, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But yes, Blake, how did you not, had you not heard this before? No, I never heard it. Blake, <laughs> let's get you, ed- this is why we're doing this. Yes, this, this is, is why, why we're here. Yes, this is part of my education. By all means, share more. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what you got, Blake? But no, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the vocal riffs and the delivery and yeah just again another i think it pairs very well with declaration of love i think really there's just such this album hits such a strong like it hits its stride i think really after falling into you with make you happy seduces me all by myself declaration of love and you make me feel like a natural woman just back to back to back to back just it really it hits such a strong stride like, and that's, this is kind of the portion of the album that I just love the most. And I think it's just hit after hit after hit. 
and this continue it continues i love i think this might be i love her riffs and her delivery this might be like if we were ranking this album solely on her vocals i think this would rank very very high for me but yeah i am I am sure I'll have to listen to all of the other versions of it, but yes, I I really I really enjoyed it. I think all of the covers on this record are really, really exceptional. I think All By Myself kind of is in a league of its own, but I think it's still, you make me feel like a natural woman, it's still, it's still really solid. It's still really solid, and I, I liked it a lot. Well, yeah, I think mm-hmm. more, this is such a different type yeah. of album. Celine mm-hmm. is more like, an auteur, you know, yeah. grabbing songs mm-hmm. that she enjoys and appreciates and putting them together and doing her interpretation of them. Yeah. I just think we're going to have a fundamentally different take on it because I can't hear this song as, you know, without the context of the other versions of this song. Yeah. And from that perspective, I don't think Celine Dion's version is at all necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aretha Franklin is kind of the original popularizer of this song, and that's kind of the big pop mm-hmm. power ballad version of it that yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. And then Carol King wrote this song and released it, and her styling is much more singer-songwriter uh, she's not really known as much for her vocal prowess, but the sincerity and styling is Carol King's thing. And of course, a phenomenal songwriter, she did write this song. Yeah. So from that point, I just have trouble seeing it as something that feels all that necessary. I would go to the Aretha version or the Carol King version before I would choose to listen to this again. That's it. She sounds great. I mean, it's Celine Dion. She has a great voice saying sister like go by all means Mm -hmm. i will say there's a very funny much talked about interaction related to this song and celine dion and aretha franklin and mariah carey was there and carol king was there (laughs) there was a 1998 divas live show that was honoring aretha franklin and Mm -hmm. you know i think shania twain was also there i think gloria estefan there was like it was a pretty Mm -hmm. all-star cast for one of those things like you know sometimes they can only get like one or two big names but there was a lot of big names and at the end there was this finale Mm -hmm of You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman and Carol King was in the audience and Aretha, it was supposed to be this big group number. Mm-hmm. And Aretha, of course, being the queen and being the honored woman that she was, Aretha was not interested in letting someone else sing her song. So Aretha starts singing and keeps singing into Celine Dion's part. And Celine Dion is not mm-hmm. one to be outdone. Mm-hmm. So Celine Dion just starts singing her part as well. And there's this sort of vocal <laughs> riffing off that goes on between them. Mm-hmm. And Mariah Carey has a very funny interview where she talks about, she's like, in that moment, I headed towards the backup singers because that's mm-hmm. where I felt I belonged. I was just going to, you know, I'm not the queen. Aretha's mm-hmm. the queen. Yeah. Aretha, take your moment. Mm-hmm. And, I, and she never, like directly called out Celine Dion but she was just like there was this attitude that night of wanting to take on Aretha and that wasn't my attitude which I don't think Celine intended in any way and it was very Mm -hmm. funny because on the same interview that on Watch What Happens Live that she talked about all by myself someone called in and was like did you feel like you should head towards the backup singers when you were singing with Aretha that time (laughs) and she was like completely confused and she just like was like I love Aretha Franklin she's amazing she's the queen it was so great to get to work with her and Celine Dion also talked about that show they the costume people came to her trailer beforehand and were like 
what color are you going to wear? We don't want you know anyone to be wearing the same color. And she's like, oh, don't worry, I'm wearing pants. And that was like a big deal that Selena Ooh. was wearing pants at a, a diva off. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a very fun story. Mariah Carey talks about it in her memoir. It just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> one for the books and of course Carol's in the audience you know watching all these divas sing her song which must have been cool for her mm-hmm. what is there to say about track nine dreaming of you honestly not much I, I think this album would be exactly the same if this song didn't exist and wasn't yep. on it yep I wrote in my notes it's fine a standard Celine ballad and I feel like I've listened to this album a lot in preparation for this and I'm like sitting here right now and I can't even remember how it goes it's just so boring yeah there is just really not much to say especially honestly I feel like dreaming of you and I love you both kind of side to side do not come for I love you I love I love you okay okay yeah, no, let's okay, talk about yeah, it. Track yeah. 10. Okay, let's I love you. Okay. I'm again, I don't think any of these songs mm-hmm. except for the ones that like you make me feel like a natural woman is mm-hmm. a great well-written song. Yeah. But like a lot of these songs the songwriting is not the allure, right? Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. just that's not this album's thing. Mm-hmm. Look elsewhere if you're needing like really creative lyrics. Mhm. I think the 50s production on I I, Love You is so great. I I like that. David Foster also produced this one, and I think it's really elevated. Again, I I don't think it's super standout in terms of, like, signature Celine, this is it. But I just think it's a lovely kind of waltzy Mm -hmm. 50s style song that fits on the album and is a great album cut. Mm -hmm. It... Isn't my favorite, but I, I'll I'll stand her. I like I love you. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, the do 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 is definitely my favorite part of it. I think that's what kind of sets it apart from at least dreaming of you. And if that's what it takes, is that it has that fun little riff to it and that little bit kind of those inklings of nostalgia. And yeah, I I like it. I I I like it as well. It's not my favorite, but I think it's it's a solid it's a solid album cut. Well, yeah, and I think we get to a lot with this album. It's a lot of the same thing. They're just trying to dress it up in a different way. And I think there's places farther Mm -hmm. down the track list that dress it up in the wrong way that is actually in a little bit harmful in some ways. Yeah. And I think leaning into some Motown 50s stuff, that doesn't feel harmful. That feels like a, a fun stylistic dalliance yeah. for this album to entertain. And so now we are moving right along to track number 11, If That's What It Takes. And this song was actually originally recorded in French, and Ooh. it was on Celine Dion's De album, mm-hmm. which is today the best-selling French-language album of all time, which mm-hmm. I think is something cool that Mm -hmm. Celine Dion has. Mm -hmm. The French version of this song, let me see if I can actually pronounce this. The French version of this song, and forgive my pronunciation, is Pourquoi tu m'es mon corps? And I gotta be honest, in English, this song really didn't do all that much for me, but I think 
the French version is a big hit. It was a big hit on this, which I'm assuming is why it ended up being mm-hmm. adapted for this album. Yeah. And I think the French version is probably better. And I don't know that the English version doesn't make sense, but I just there's probably more meaning behind it since that's the language it was written to be in. So that's kind of where I would give it a bit of a pass. I also watched the music video, and it's very artful. Celine's, you know, doing a lot of stuff with, like, candles, and there's Ooh, dancers. Love that. So, it, that that might be a cool watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I don't have a whole lot to say about it either. I didn't know that context, so it was helpful to be able to know that and kind of considering it now. Uh, in my notes, I just have that, you know, I like its main sentiment, thinking about, you know, kind of doing whatever is necessary in order to kind of keep a relationship alive. But again, I feel like it kind of, it's not, it slows, it continues to kind of slow the momentum down. And I feel like it could have used another rework. But knowing that it is being translated from another language, I think it makes sense. And when I did ask my French friend mm-hmm. what are some good Celine Dion songs, independently of like knowing that this was on the album we were talking about, she sent this one to me. It's like, this is one of the big ones that okay. people love. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Alrighty. Alrighty. So, now we are on to, I believe, track... Track 12. Oh, track 12, okay. And this is another French to English rework from De Je Sais Pas. Yes. So this is I Don't Know. Uh, I I like this song. I dug, it's fine. I dug the backing vocals. I like the electric guitars and the sax. You know, there were also some really kind of amazing vocal belts as well. Yeah, the giant yeah. flame part is um, yeah. a standout for me. Yeah. Lyrically, I can barely remember any it just never ends like this song is really it just drags yeah and i i didn't really love the saxophone i feel Mm -hmm. like this era of pop music which the saxophone seems to make comebacks every like couple decades or so because the saxophone certainly had a moment a couple years ago too but oh yeah i think this era of 90s they seem to just kind of throw in a saxophone to Mm -hmm add some flavor yeah it was sort of like when some people overuse cumin and they're cooking you know, like <laughs> yeah the saxophone will do something mm-hmm. i don't think it's doing much here that is interesting again some of these songs i think are very similar not that deep emotionally and they're trying to dress mm-hmm. them up in different clothes to make them yeah. more appealing mm-hmm. again i want to give this song some benefit of the doubt that i think it might have more meaning and substance in french which is the language it was intended originally to be sung in yeah but not a standout for me mm-hmm. okay now we're on to track 13 which is a cover of river deep mountain high originally recorded mm-hmm. by and Tina. this mm-hmm. one i actually do have an, a strong association with glee for yeah i did not realize I... it's all coming back to now was on glee but i know this song is on glee yes santana and mercedes i know this song which are two of, two of the like few good characters on glee so. yes this is one of my favorite glee covers. it's a good one it was when especially season two i think that's when glee was in its prime and i think especially like ep- season two episode four to like nine there are just some truly great covers he remembers the episode i do numbers. because this was this was in <laughs> duets this was duets I no think. i know i know yeah. the episode i just <laughs> the specificity i'm impressed i've watched glee many times many times 
Yeah, and I will say, both on Glee, and we're talking more about Glee than Ike and Tina. I mean, legends of the game. Ike is mm-hmm. a terrible person, but go Tina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this song works better as a duet. Yeah, I absolutely. I thought it was a little bit jarring to hear mm-hmm. it with only one singer. That said, I mean, bring back the energy. Yes. Like, it totally is needed at this point. Some of these songs, I think a lot of these songs, even the good ones, are a minute too long and particularly some of these slower ones that come right before river deep and mountain high it's not quite the mid slog that some pop albums have and i'm sure we'll come back to the mid album slog and many albums in which we review mm-hmm. but river deep and mountain high gets you mm-hmm. out of your chair again it's a lot of fun to have on this record and i think it, it's just a song that celine probably enjoyed covering even if i think her cover is pretty basic and what you would expect Mm -hmm. and not doing anything artistically to the song that is taking it anywhere new or Mm -hmm. special oh yeah unlike all by myself and it's all coming back to me now you know Mm -hmm. she can she has the capability of taking covers to new and exciting places just not this one in my opinion oh yeah for sure for sure yeah it's it's good. I like it. I think definitely its biggest strength is its placement in the track list and that is able to get that energy back up because there is definitely a slowdown. Yeah, and I just think there's no featured artists on this, which yeah. I, again, I think this was generally a less common time period to have features, but mm-hmm. I think you could have grabbed somebody cool to do a duet with, either yeah. a man or a woman. Oh, to for sure. Sing alongside her. There's a lot of people that could match vocals with her, like a Whitney Houston Celine duet on this song. Like, ooh, that would send this up in my rankings <laughs> for sure. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Or even bring Tina. Yeah. Bring Tina back. Absolutely. She's still out there doing things. She mm-hmm. still is now, yeah. I think, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think she needed somebody else to help her out. Yeah. I guess we'll never know. And so also, Phil Spector, we talked about him earlier, he's mm-hmm. one of the writers of the song. Yeah. He worked with the Beatles, Let It Be, the Ronettes, Ike mm-hmm. and Tina, obviously, and I was ignorant. His mm-hmm. Wikipedia page is definitely worth a read. He was kind of one of the first big people like him in the modern music industry as we know it, really big in the 60s, kind of like, you know, he had the magic touch, he was working with all the hit makers, he was really big in the pop music scene. Then he ended up taking like three decades off and then ends up getting convicted of murdering an actress and he ended up dying in prison this year, so... I don't, I think that might be a whole podcast unto itself because I, I didn't even read into all the details, but it looked like quite the drama. I think we should ask our parents about it or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we're rounding out, falling into you with the final three, which for track 14, we have Your Light. Which I didn't... This is controversial. I mean, we're on mm-hmm. different ends of this. I did not care for this song. Mm-hmm. What I'll say is I like that she's stylistically trying something new. I think her voice sounds similar to parts of Make You Happy. Mm-hmm. But dare I say it, this might be the only time on the album where I don't think she sounds all that good. That said, I love the riskiness of it and the trying something new. I texted Blake 
while we were gearing up for this, and I was like, you like this song, don't you? And Blake was like, I love this song! <laughs> and I, of course, didn't reveal what I thought, but I'm mm-hmm. sure he could tell. But, yes. yeah, I think it's... I love the mixing it up. So much of this album is playing it really safe, and this mm-hmm. song is not playing it safe. I just... The risk doesn't quite pay off for me, but I'm yeah. glad it does for you. Yes, the risk very much pays off for me, and this was by far and away the album's biggest surprise where I was, like, listening to it, and I was just not... I was not expecting Celine to pull out, like, a 90s rock-inspired power ballad, and I... She... It kind of feels like she's trying to do her best Alanis Morissette impression, which I feel like definitely, considering Jagged Little Pill came out in 1995 makes sense and this came out in 96 which now that you bring up Alanis Morissette I do feel a fun chart thing Mm -hmm. to share is that 1996 the top three Billboard 200 albums were all by women number one Mm -hmm. was Jagged Little Pill then Daydream by Mariah Carey and then Falling Into You by Celine Dion and this did not happen again mm-hmm. until 2019, which, mm-hmm. Blake, three of your faves. <laughs> yes. Uh, Billie Eilish, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, was number mm-hmm. one. Lover by Taylor Swift was number two. And mm-hmm. Thank You, Next by Ariana Grande was number three. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was a fun fact to share. Yeah, no, it's a very fun. It's a very good fact. But yeah, I I love this. I can see, I can definitely, I feel like this is kind of a love or hate song. Yeah. (laughs) Where like, and I can, I totally get your criticism that like she's not able to pull it off. And there's a part of me that's in the back of my mind that's like, yeah, it's like she can't really pull this off. But also like I commend the effort and I think just on a personal level, like I think this is kind of where our music tastes sort of diverge in that I am more sort of drawn to like rock inspired music. For sure. And for sure. so very much so this kind of touched that part of me. Like I love I love Jagged Little Pill. That's one of my favorite albums. So that just hit that sweet spot for me and more what I know of the nineties. I know more of kind of the rock side, like the Alanis Morissette, like Nirvana, like Foo Fighters. I know, you know, early Green Day, like that stuff I am more familiar with than sort of pop of the 90s. I feel like I'm much more so familiar with pop of like the late 2000s and like the 2010s. So this kind of brought back, it was unexpected, but there was also kind of that like 90s rock aesthetic that was still very familiar to me. And I was just like, I... I love this. I can, like, this is just the the quintessential definition of, like, a 90s, like, arena rock power ballad. It's, it is cheesy. It's corny, but I, there's, it works for me. It works for me. Well, and it gives the album a lot more credibility to yeah. me. I love the fact that it's, again, it's just a, there's a lot of stuff here that I'm sure Celine looked at it and was like, I'm going to knock this out of the park, no question. You look at some of these covers, some of the track lists, you listen through the album. Yeah. A lot of her remaining within this pretty strict musical territory with little inflections from other genres and other instruments yeah. and other things, but really... And if you look at her career past this, this is her lane, this adult yeah. contemporary lane. So I am pleased to see something that's a bit different and more off the wall even if it's less so my personal taste yeah absolutely yeah i don't yeah i think i don't think it's a 100 percent success but i love that she went for it and so i think it this ranks very high in my <laughs> ranking this is like i don't think it's my number one i think it's like my number two but i it touched kind of that sweet spot for me and i was like you know what it wasn't it was one of the last 
kind of things I would have expected from this album. And it's deep on the track list, yeah, too. So. It is deep on the track list, and it like it kind of it it kind of woke me right back up. Like as I was listening to this album, kind of like for the first and second time, like I was, you know, we kind of lose a little bit of the momentum with, you know, I love you if that's what it takes. I don't know. You know, River D Mountain High brings it back up and then your light really brings it at least for me it brought it up to that next level again where i was like i'm really into this and then we have two tracks left yeah i also think your light was another one of those like it wasn't on all versions of it but it's on the one on spotify so we're talking about it yeah okay so for this next track i feel like Quinn, you and I are pretty kind of unanimous. We're aligned on and this. And we, as where we were very much kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum for your light, we came back together. Yeah, track for... 15, Call the Man. <laughs> Which is just a ridiculous title, even looking at it right now, it well, just makes me want to laugh. It's so, good songwriting is in the details. Yeah. I feel really strongly about that, and a lot of these songs, the writing is generic, and there's something to that, right? I like it, you know, Because You Love Me is generic, but it yeah. can be applied to a lot of different relationships. In this case, I mean, it's gendered, so yeah. that is already kind of exclusionary to other people. Call the man. Like, why couldn't you have just, like, come up with a name that was two syllables that could have made it feel a little more personal than just, like, call the man? Like, is it a power move? Like, I he will be unnamed. Yeah. I am woman. I am in charge. Like, I don't know, but... It is, it's just, call the man, it's like the Bill Clinton, like, I did not have relations with that woman, like, type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest sin here, other than, I mean, it does, it, it, it suffers from the same forgettable, kind of bland nature of the worst of this album. Yeah. But the most offensive thing to me is the incorporation of this African chanting in the yeah. outro. It seems weirdly out of place and very culture appropriation. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to hear Celine Dion do a more full and complete song with, like, an African influence that features an African choir or other African artists. But I was reading, you know, the Wikipedia page and all that stuff while I was playing through the album the first time, and... I was reading, you know, all the things that were incorporated and African chanting kept coming up in, like, lists of reviews of stuff that's in the album. And I'm like, African chanting? Are they talking about, like, Make You Happy's kind of reggae? But that's the Caribbean. Like, are, are you sure? And then I was like, oh, this is what they meant. It just, yeah. it's it doesn't seem appropriate. I don't think that it would, if this album were released today, I think they would have cut the outro. Yeah. But it doesn't sit right with me, and I, I don't like it. Yeah, same here. I think for all of the reasons that you mentioned in that, it is one of the album's longest tracks. It comes in at over six minutes long. It does not need to be so not. long. Like, it is... Oh, boy. Like, it's kind of... It gets real dull, real fast. Like, I remember hearing it for the first time, and I was like, that kind of, like, intro. I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I was kind of intrigued. And then it, it just kind of... It falls flat on its face. <laughs> like, I feel like it's like a child, like, learning to ride its bike for the first time when you take the training wheels off and the bike just immediately... The second you take those training wheels off, it just falls falls over. It falls apart, and it only gets worse from there. And here we are, track 16, closing the album out. This is the third 
English adaptation of a song that was on Du mm-hmm. Lie. Anywhere else on this track list, I would really hate this song. I think mm-hmm. it works as the outro. She really doesn't sing a whole lot on this song. It's very whispery. It yeah. feels kind of like a cheesy children's album when they're yeah. like, okay, listen up, kids. Mm-hmm. We're about to go fly a kite. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it doesn't really fit. It feels kind of odd. But it sends the album off in a unique and sonically interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, that was pretty much the main reason why I I liked it. I feel like honestly, like it call the man, like it kind of leads into fly nicely, and I feel like maybe there could be a reworked version of the song, like taking out the African <laughs> chants and just having. Whose it... idea was that? Like I yeah. tried to find out what the purpose of that was. Yeah, and, and it wasn't clear. So if it's some way somehow either cutting call the man entirely or having call the man be the final track but one song cutting some of the fat from it and then having it having essentially call the man and fly be condensed into one kind of album closer i think i agree with you anywhere else in the track list it would be a no for me i think this where one this is a track where i feel very strongly that it has to be the outro because it kind of sonically feels so different from everything else on the record but yeah it's like it's it's interesting i it's not it's not my favorite by well, any means but it, it's unexpected like yeah. i think you would think close out this particular album with another big bold power ballad yeah and it's not quite that mm-hmm. it's a ballad it's not a quite ballad. powerful but yeah yeah it's it's interesting. It's a, a moment on the album that gives it some artistic kind of moments of intrigue, which I think the album needs, mm-hmm. given, again, this is just the the broadest, most mm-hmm. vanilla FM of the 90s sound yeah. is present on this album. So mm-hmm. thanks for mixing it up, Fly. Yeah. Thank you for that, Celine. Thank you very much. (laughs) Alrighty, alrighty. Now that we have gone track by track into Falling Into You, we are now going to reveal our shared ranking compiled by Quinn. So we're going to start off at number 16 and eventually work our way up to number 1. So at the very bottom, we have Call the Man, which should not come to anyone's surprise. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've explained that one as well as we can. Uh, Moving a slot up from there at number 15 is You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. I don't think, I don't have a problem with this song. It just seems like there's better versions of it that exist out there and her cover isn't really contributing much to the storied history of this very famous beloved song. Yeah. And I think just a personal note for me on how I typically rank albums, I, at least how in the past and kind of now, I typically relegate uh, covers to the bottom of my rankings by default. I think this was interesting with Falling Into You because there are four different covers. I feel like with some of them, Celine, it is very clear that Celine has given them new life and has really made them her own. I think that's especially with All By Myself, so that there were exceptions to my rule made for this ranking. 
but at least why these two are kind of low is at least on my end is that i kind of put them at the bottom because they are they are not her songs yeah these two are covers that you would be forgiven for not knowing celine dion ever sang i don't think you could think about all by myself or it's all coming back to me now and not think of the celine dion version first mm-hmm. and you'd be forgiven for thinking those are the original of those songs yeah. too so i think it makes a ton of sense from there, we've got 13, Dreaming of You, nothing special about that song, no reason to put it any higher. Yep, at uh, number 12, we have If That's What It Takes. Which, again, I think the French version is probably, would be higher ranking if we were ranking duh, and if we <laughs> understood French. Yeah. But uh, the English version is missing a little something. Yeah. Then we have 11, I Don't Know. Yeah, it sort of fits in with the mold of this stretch of the ranking. Not real distinct, not essential Celine, a little boring, a little bit too long. Yeah, and then at number 10, we have Falling Into You. (laughs) You tanked this. I would have been okay with it a little bit higher, but it's fine. No, not for me. (laughs) No! Falling Uh, Into You stands, you can come at me. And then number 9, we have Fly. Again, I don't think it would be this high if it weren't the final song, but it's mm-hmm. an interesting artistic statement to end on, and we appreciate the deviation. Yeah. And so at number eight, we have Because You Loved Me. And... A big yeah. hit, yeah. pretty saccharine, pretty... Mm-hmm. Not, not a lot that's really exciting about it. It yeah. just is one of those classic 90s hit songs. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Then number seven is one of the the deep cut that I stand. I love you. <laughs> love mm-hmm. the '50s stylings. It has something special for me. Mm-hmm. And then number six, one of my favorite deep cuts, "Your Light, Your Light." I, I really, I ate this shit up. I ate this shit up. And it was for you. Yeah, it was for me. Yeah, she wrote. Awesome. Celine Dion wrote it for me. Three she years, was thinking three, of the, yeah. three years before I was born. She was like, I have a feeling someone born soon will In appreciate it. 1999. Celine didn't write any of these. <laughs> yes. uh, and then number five, we've got the, the boppy reggae, Make You Happy. Yep. And then at number four, we have All By Myself. Much like it peaked on the yeah. one. Ooh, look yeah. at that. It, yeah, I think it's also number four in my like personal ranking as it well. Four, it feels like it's a number that I associate with this song. Yeah. Maybe that's how it ended up there subconsciously yes. <laughs> from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Three, we've got Declaration of Love. It's big, it's bold, it's there to say. I love mm-hmm. it. And then at number two, we have my personal, my personal number one, uh, Seduces Me. I love I love the song. That's I great. was seduced by it. I just we were I, we were literally listening to it earlier. It could just... fit really well on a playlist of like bedroom jams. Oh yes, too. I, like, I think I would love to throw this like make a playlist of types of songs like that and mm-hmm. see how Celine sounds showing up with seduces me. Yes, definitely. And then number one, I <laughs> if I weren't here, Blake would not have made this a number one song. <laughs> I twisted his arm. It's all coming back to me now. I, again, the Bohemian Rhapsody of power <laughs> pop ballads. Mm-hmm. Everything wonderful about Celine. Stunning vocals, emotional highs, emotional lows. There's a delicateness, a grandeur. The production's there. The music video's great. It just sums up this era in a stunning way and... 
quintessential mm-hmm. Celine Dion song forget just on this album. Mm-hmm. Okay, alrighty. Before we wrap up our show for this week, Quinn, any final thoughts on Falling Into You? Yeah, I think we've already talked quite a bit about the legacy, but I just want to reiterate, this is really defining of 90s power ballad pop. Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of how it's aged, it feels frozen in time. There's not really any song on here that listening to it in 2021, it feels fresh and modern. Not to say, I think some of these songs really are timeless in terms of there's still use for them in society and they have cultural impact. But when you are singing them, listening to them, doing them at karaoke, you're still being transported back to the 90s. Mm -hmm. The nostalgia is really keeping a lot of these tracks buoyant. Mm -hmm. Celine Dion has kept with this type of style, throwing in Mm -hmm. little licks and deviations here and there, but Mm -hmm. a project from Celine Dion will likely be similar to this coming out today as came out in the 2000s, as came out immediately after this. This Mm -hmm. is Celine Dion's thing. She's inspired countless people since then. The Jennifer Hudson's of the world, the Ariana Grande's of the world, the Christina Aguilera's of the world. It's, she's left such a monument in terms of pop vocal stylings Mm -hmm. and it's also really important to mention her influence on the francophone world, which I think is less attached to this album, but it's worth noting. I mean, some of these songs that were on her French album that was released immediately prior to this made it onto this album. Celine really wants to marry those two parts of her artistry together, and she's pretty much untouchable from what I hear from my French friends. Pretty much everyone loves her, minus some controversy about her and her relationship with Mm -hmm. her husband being so much older than her. Yeah. And young people, people our age, love Celine Dion, too. When she comes on at a party, it's shut up. We gotta, we gotta mm-hmm. listen to her. So it's, uh, I really enjoy getting that perspective that both in the English, the Anglophone and the Francophone spheres, Celine Dion's star shines brightly. Best-selling Canadian artist of all time. The best-selling Francophone artist of all time. Tons of success, successful mm-hmm. residency in Las Vegas. This yeah. woman is just here for world domination. And she doesn't really seem to give a shit if mm-hmm. critics say that her music is hollow and doesn't have substance. So mm-hmm. uh, Celine Dion has always kind of reminded me of like that relative you have that you really never talk to and don't know that well and then gives you like a huge check on your graduation. Yeah, And I think in pop music, at least mm-hmm. these days... Mm -hmm. That's kind of Celine Dion's role Mm -hmm. and falling into you. It's, it's a really good album. I'm so glad that I took the time to sit with it and listen to it. And so much of it, it ain't that deep, but Mm -hmm. music doesn't always need to be. Sometimes it just needs to make you happy or seduce you or come forward with a pretty easy to understand message and follow through on it. And when you have as beautiful and powerful of a voice as Celine Dion, Mm -hmm. you don't need to do too much more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was a very much, again, a step outside of my comfort zone, but a step that I really enjoyed taking. I don't know. It was just very interesting to, I was born in 1999. So I was kind of 
born literally quite literally at the tail end of kind of this era of mm-hmm. music and so i don't know it's just very interesting to kind of dive into the music that was you know popular during this time during the time that you know right before i came into existence i feel like very much sort of my knowledge and experience of pop music has been very centered within the like early to mid to late 2010 so within the past 10 years has always been kind of my comfort zone and kind of my area of expertise so it was you know it was really nice and even the 2000s to kind of some degree but it was kind of you know it was nice to be able to take that step back take that step back and i you know there was i resonated with a lot of the a lot more of the deep cuts on here than i initially thought i would i you know first pressing play i thought it was just going to be 16 power ballads all in a row and it was not that and i'm i'm really grateful that it wasn't and yeah it was just a really it was a really cool deep dive and you know i think this is part of why i wanted to do this project was to be able to learn more about eras of pop that i'm not as familiar with so i learned a lot today yeah, I the deep cut game on this album is strong. Mm-hmm. I I was I'm with you. I was not expecting to appreciate and love some of these deep cuts the way that I do and I don't necessarily know if that means I'm going to listen to them all the time, but yeah. This album has has a lot to offer. For sure. I'm I'm hoping to add it to my vinyl collection soon. Ooh, <laughs> you know it's good. Oh, yes. You know it's good when Blake wants to add it to his vinyl collection. Yes. It's quite extensive. I'm sure we'll have a podcast oh, talking yes, about Oh, yes, or it's just me. <laughs> the definitive <laughs> ranking of um, Blake's vinyl collection. Yes, that would that would be like a 10-hour episode. Right. It would be a lot, and then I'd want to talk about like all of the different variants and what st- which ones are store exclusives. You're not allowed to touch Blake's vinyls with your bare oh. hands. You have to touch them with a cloth. They are all in protective sleeves. Mm-hmm. I have what's called a vinyl mitt. So I have protective inner sleeves for all the individual records. So I have protective inner sleeves and outer sleeves. And then you take the vinyl mitt and then you put it on the actual record player. Blake did not come to play with the vinyl collection. (laughs) I did not come to play. It's somebody that I used to know, like having friends collect your records. Does Mm -hmm. that lyric like hit you? Oh yes. I got another song that turned 10 years old this oh past my year God. is somebody that I used to know. I'm ancient. I'm, I'm ancient. So, I'm so curious. I would love to do an episode on Gautier just to find out what happened to him. I like, hope he's well. I'm sure he's doing great. It was funny. Somebody that I used to know was a song that I actually listened to before it became popular. <laughs> I'm so obnoxious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a big hit in Australia and New Zealand. And, um... My youth pastor at the time, <laughs> he actually spot, spotlighted Gautier. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember if it was before or after somebody that I used to know, but he was a fan of him at that time, and I checked out his stuff then and haven't really revisited since. But Gautier is great. Yeah, no, I remember. He was also on the... Not who I thought we were going to be talking about at the end of the Celine Dion podcast. You know? <laughs> Surprises all around. Surprises all around, <laughs> yes. Uh, but a final note about Gautier is that he's also on the Baz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby soundtrack. It's I believe he has a song with the XX called Heart's a Mess. Okay, another fun shout-out I'll do. Mm-hmm. We're so far down the rabbit hole. Yes. Another fun shout-out I'll do. Uh, in high school, when we read mm-hmm. Gatsby and, of course, watched the movie, which I think at some point I would love to do the Great Gatsby soundtrack yes. on this podcast yes, same, in this same, format. Same. Uh, cause I have uh, opinions for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But 
I we had an assignment mm-hmm. where we had to come up with our own soundtrack of like what our soundtrack for Great Gatsby would be. And one of my friends who I've sent this podcast to, and mm-hmm. she might be listening as well. Hi, Annie. Uh, we were we mm-hmm. collaborated on this assignment, and we killed it. Like we came up with the best soundtrack for Gatsby. Like it was so good. And our teacher was, like, very impressed. He, like, told, he, he wrote on our paper when he handed it back. He's like, you guys knocked this out of the park. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> such a cool assignment. It was I wish so I was, fun. I wish I had that assignment when I read Great Gatsby no, in high school. I was school. so into it. I was so into it. I put, like, there was Kendrick Lamar. Ooh. There was... Wait, which Kendrick song? A swimming pool. Because, oh. you know, oh. you got, like... He dies in the swimming pool. You got oh, the that's like so smart. the bounce. It was kind of like the party at the beginning. Mm-hmm. This one artist I love until the ribbon breaks. Like mm-hmm. has this album of that deals a lot with like political corruption and sort of like the end times. And mm-hmm. so I put some songs from that album on there. Yeah, I put Katy Perry's Teenage Dream to oh. capture the innocence. My Ooh. teacher also loved Katy Perry. Oh, okay. strange man. He was uh, a Katie cat. Oh, he was he was for sure a Katie cat. I'm like the first day of school. He was like we were talking about who was your favorite artist, and he like listed a couple that you'd expect like mm-hmm. some like a type of guy of his demographic to like. And he was like, and Katy Perry, and someone was like, Katy Perry, and he's like, she's great. <laughs> you know, go off. Go yeah, off. why not? I mean, teenage dream. But yeah, we, in I, any case, mm-hmm. I made a soundtrack of. I had High Hopes by Codaline on there. Ooh. It was there was a lot going on. It was a great soundtrack. I didn't do it by myself. My friend Annie helped me, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a great assignment. And I sent her this and she was like, you should talk about our assignment, like rank those tracks, which we can't find it. We've looked for it and I guess we just don't have those computers. No, I would love, oh my God, I'd love to see that or just do it, (laughs) do it myself. Maybe we'll do a a reiteration of that project on this podcast. Oh my God, I'd love to do that. Okay. The people are dying to know. What are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? Okay. Well... It's Britney, bitch. It's Britney, bitch. Quite literally, we are jumping to 2007 for Britney Spears' Blackout. And on a serious note, I've been following, I'm sure you've been Mm. following, Blake, all the situations going on with her in the news with her conservatorship and the documentaries that just Mm -hmm. came out on Netflix, on Hulu, Britney versus Spears, and Controlling Britney Spears is the other one. Yeah. Terrible, terrible stuff, and yeah. uh, it's really heavy. I'm so sad that this has happened mm-hmm. to her. She's clearly a lovely woman who's mm-hmm. exceptionally talented and yeah. doesn't deserve this treatment. And uh, this wasn't originally our plan to do this one, but mm-hmm. uh, in the documentaries, they talked a little bit about Blackout and how influential and stunning of an album it was. And I truthfully haven't done a deep dive, so yeah. I thought it was timely for us to do that and it fit within our cycle so we're switching it up and giving Brittany her flowers yes and uh i also think you know after this point in her life and up till now things have not gone great for her so i i think it'll be sort of a, a dark but meaningful exploration into that time period and i i'm looking forward to doing some exploration of that yeah, absolutely. I think same here. Blackout is an album that I have often heard praised by Britney Spears fans as being her best work. And it was unfortunately given everything that she was going through, particularly in 2007, I think a very kind of commodified phrase 
within that's developed over the past decade has been if Britney Spears survived 2007, you can survive tomorrow. I think very much that time was so so defined by everything that was going on with her in the public circuit, essentially the tabloid media exploiting her to the point of a mental breakdown. And so we want to be able to honor this record from her, especially since it came out in such a tumultuous and heartbreaking time in her life. We want to be able to highlight and showcase this record and actually do this deep dive. I know a couple of songs off it. I know everybody knows Gimme More. But I know there's a couple there's a couple of deep cuts that I do know and I do really like. Yeah, I've definitely listened to it before and you know, I I think there's a lot to discover and I yeah, I I've said and thought different things about Britney Spears through the years. I know a lot of people have and the truth is I think that we need to apply some 2021 perspective yeah. and language mm-hmm. to the conversation about Britney Spears and I'm sure there will be mistakes, but I want to take a good old college try at yep. it. So, mm-hmm. catch you next time catch for next Blackout week. by Britney Spears. And take care. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you so listen. Ah, fuck. <laughs> thank you for listening and have a great week. Yeah. <laughs>